The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider, where we take you behind the scenes at Australia's top football publication. This week we've been working harder than the Jackson family florist, covering news on the Socceroos, the Hyundai A-League and international football. I'm Editor-in-Chief Paul Hansford and this week I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson and Deputy Editor Trevor Trahan. We're going to have a look at uh, some of the news of the week that was on our website, but first up, uh, the game that happened last night. Gold Coast against Fulham in a pre-season friendly. Gold Coast pulled off a fantastic come-from-behind win, boys. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, didn't see it because we're we're down here and it wasn't on the TV. But uh, what's that about? How comes Fox couldn't get any rights for any of the games? Uh, I'm not even sure that they maybe weren't even offered them. I don't know. I mean, we'd have to ask them that. But I I guess the question would be: is that if they're spending the money bringing these teams over, you know, are they better served getting people through the gate and getting the money for that, or selling the broadcast rights? Because I guess if it was on live on a Wednesday night, that might hit the number of people that would go and actually watch the game live. But I think they got all reports about ten and a half thousand there, which is which is encouraging. Maybe you've expected a few more with it being a Premiership side, but not really a, a, what you call a Tier One Premiership side. Um, from the reports I read, they they sort of weakened the side in the second half, and Schwartz went off at half time, and Gold Coast came from behind. But either way, even if it's fringe players, you know they're still fringe Premier League players. Yeah. Um, um, so it's a great win, you know, really good good win for Gold Coast confidence going into the season. I think there's going to be three players that's going to win the A League for Gold Coast. It's it's that front two of um, Smeltz and Porter and Kalina as well, and all three of them looked really good. I mean, Porter didn't manage to score, but as a game from what I read in the reports, he looked really good as well. So that's promising. Yeah, Smeltz has been going under the radar. What with uh, Kalina coming in there, but top scorer in the A-League last season Leeds best player wasn't he last yeah, year so. and he's he's a real asset isn't he playing yeah. well for the for the Kiwis as well um, you reckon that, that front two will be the key to to you know them challenging Melbourne for the title I, I think that's the league's best front two I think that's better than Allsop at Tom, and Thompson at Melbourne it's just you know if they get an understanding together um, I think that'll really work and I, I get the impression that you know Porter grabbed 23 goals last season but I think he's going to more support Schmelz and Schmelz might be the one getting more goals than Porter but that said I think both of them I can see both of them getting double figures next season yeah well, moving on to the, the top stories in the website this week. The first story is actually still on Gold Coast. Miron Blyberg has hailed the Kalina impact. Jason Kalina uh, has obviously been impressing Miron in, in pre-season training. Um, best player in the A-League was what uh, someone said to me the other day. Do we, uh, do we agree? I'd say on... on pedigree and where he was playing last season and where he has been playing for the last few years probably yeah, you know, he's still got to do it I mean it's always one of those things, how do you compare a, a goalkeeper with a striker with a central midfield player but certainly he, he's got the potential to be the best player in the league and I think what, what Miron was, was referring to there which isn't just true of football I think it's true of any profession is you know, when someone comes in who is, you know, is better at it than, than other people it drags, it drags the level up 
you know, certainly we saw that with Dwight York in, in the first season. You know, he gets the best out of other players because people raise their game. If, and if they're doing that day in, day out, uh, coat, you know, in training, then that's going to transfer onto the pitch. So, you know, it's like, a bit like editorial. We brought in a new gun reporter who was writing 10 great stories a day. Then you guys would lift your game as well, you know. Yeah, or, or <laughs> put our that. feet up and uh, let him do all the work. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think with Colleen and the Gold Coast, important things, how well is, is it Robson who's the Brazilian defensive midfielder guy yeah. Yeah. how well he plays and how well he sells is going to be really really important because if he can sort of provide that shield because looking at that Gold Coast team you know I was making the point about how good their attackers are but in defence pretty ordinary I mean they've got Thwaite and Griffiths at the back and they've got that Dutch guy coming in as well they've got a good goalkeeper in Van Stratton but other than that they don't really have a great defence so they're going to rely on outscoring a lot of teams so that Robson's going to have to protect that defence and allow people like Cleaner to go forward so I think he's an important player that's, that's Miron's way really isn't it you know we saw it with the, with the Raw in the first season you know it's like and why not you know like, as we talked about last week you know they're not going to get relegated you know, so I think fans would rather go and see their team, you know, lose four three than than lose one nil or going out, you know, and being lucky to get nil. Mm. So you know, I, I'm all for that. You know, and I think it'd be interesting to see Kalina. And what will be quite interesting would be to see if Kalina does well playing in that more advanced position. Does that change for Bakes thinking about where he fits into the Socceroos? Because certainly in the Bakes system, he plays much more of that holding midfield role. So if he gets licensed to go forward and start scoring goals, maybe that gives Verbeke a, a, a question mark as to does he move him forward in the Socceroos and maybe bring Valerian. He, um, he can finish as well, Kalina, like we're saying about him, that advanced role, he, he can finish. He's got a decent shot on him and stuff. But looking on that point, could that actually not harm I, I, I always think that he will he will go to the World Cup if he's played in a different position for his club and in the World Cup you've already got that that three and just behind the yeah. strike already sorted he's not showing the big what he can actually do in the role that he's got to play for the Socceroos could, yeah, that, could so. that harm him maybe but I, I don't because I think he played most of his last season at PSV at right back didn't he I mm. know he was mm. um, he, he certainly played a, a large part of last season there so I don't think so I, I don't I, you know I still think in that role he's better than than probably anyone else and he's probably still a level above Valeri um, but it, 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 yeah it'd be interesting to see whether he's got another string to his bow I, I think he's always going to have to get used to dropping back into that more defensive role for the Socceroos because forward he's got to compete with the likes of you know Bresciano and, and Cahill and um, Kuehl and stuff and I don't think he's going to displace any of them but the fact he can play in that role if we get an injury at the World Cup or during a game where we need to move things around and he's got the ability to push forward then that's ideal yeah certainly got the versatility that uh, the Bakes looking for uh, moving on um, the National Youth League has a new team taking part next season the Australian Institute of Sport will be uh, taking part in the competition when it kicks off again in September and uh, they'll be playing all white echoes of Real Madrid or the great Tottenham sides of the Ooh, 60s great. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know about that <laughs> we won't try and name them eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know obviously that's something that's going to be great for the development of elite players in, in the system down in Canberra playing up against uh, the, the youth team Teams from the teams in the A League as well. Yeah, I think I think it's in tandem with another announcement or, or story that came out this week in that the state 
institutes that are slowly now about to be phased out and replaced by A-League aligned academies. So rather than N-Swiss, there'll be a Sydney FC Academy and Newcastle Academy. The Mariners have already got one. Um, and what the, why this, I think this is significant in that it is now creating finally a real clear pathway to the A-League for, for you know, elite junior players in that the, the, the system will now be you either go to the AIS which obviously whilst they're competing in the youth league they're, they're going to be younger than the youth league players they're going to be sort of 15, 16, 17 so it's good for them they get to test themselves against players that are more developed but then the the, the, the pathway then goes from the AIS to the National Youth League to the A-League and, and that can only be a good thing because I think certainly previously it was a bit distorted what what is the pathway to the A-League you know and, and if, if you're a parent is my kid better served going for state trials for N-Swiss or is he better off going to the Central Coast Mariners Academy you know what what are the choices so I think certainly the the, the the clearer that pathway becomes, the better. Um, I've got some questions about Youth League. Did every single A-League team have a Youth League representation last season? Is that right? Uh, well, Wellington, Wellington didn't. didn't. Wellington didn't. So they're coming in for Wellington then, basically, yeah. Yeah. To, to sort of even yeah. up the numbers. But, I mean, Gold Coast and North Queens and Fury, are they entering youth teams as no. well? Because Gold Coast have appointed Mike Mulvey as a youth team coach, haven't they? Yeah, I don't think that... I, I'm pretty certain that they're not entering a team until next season. Okay. So it gives them a year to, to, to get the club up and running, to get the back office running, and then put in a youth team so they probably put that guy in early because obviously he's going to spend the next 12 months scouting and, and looking around for players I think that's one area that can definitely do with a youth team because they've got so many young lads coming through at Quinton because there wasn't enough places at the Raw for all of those mm. young lads to come through now they've got the Gold Coast and now they've got Townsville and is it safe to assume that uh, this team will be playing the much vaunted uh, 4-3-3 formation that uh, well, is yeah, you'd in think the so. national football curriculum yeah you would have thought so I mean the other interesting subplot to this is obviously Gary von Egmont will be coaching this side and so will immediately find himself locking horns with with uh, A-League clubs again so yeah. uh, so that'll be an interesting uh, side plot to it and former AIS football chief Steve Connor is a Sydney FC he is. coach yeah. so um, yeah there'll be some coaching heavyweights coming up against each other in the National Youth League so yeah we urge everyone to, to get down and support the grassroots level of the game as well and uh, final story in this first segment of the podcast is a player called Harry Kuehl that you might have heard of. He's going to be fighting for his place in the Galatasaray team next season as uh, coach Frank Reichard has signed a rival winger to give him a little bit of competition in the side. I think that'll give uh, Harry something to think about, a bit of food for thought. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a bit of healthy competition providing Harry wins a battle but I mean it goes back to the conversation we had before with the previous manager that Harry kept getting moved around into defence and into other areas and you know some managers try and squeeze their best players on the pitch even though those best players aren't playing in their preferred position so let's hope Harry still gets that you know that left wing position and he's not moved around too much yeah, I think you know. It's, uh, I think we were talking off air. That I think he's brought him from Barcelona, where he had, he had him as a player there, and and this guy as well can apparently play all the way across the, the front. So I think that's good. You know, I'm sure that Rijkaard will come in and play four three three, which is the Dutch system, which is obviously going to be the Australian system now. And he's looking for players interchangeable who can play left, right, or centrally in that mm. forward three, or even in the middle three as well. And and both Harry and this guy 
fit that bill. So we might see him playing either a bit more forward or in midfield. But I think I think he'll, his position there is pretty safe. He did an interview with us in a, a magazine in the magazine two months ago, and he didn't seem too keen on moving around. He said he was there to score goals, and maybe at his age now, he's thinking, look, I, I want to do what I'm good at, and I want to be playing where I'm where I'm happy and. It doesn't seem as though he's 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 overly willing to to move around, but I think as you said, if he stays in that front three, yeah. as long as he's in the front third and he's he's knocking goals in or creating chances, then he's going to be happy. Yeah. And uh, Frank Reichard's been said to be a big uh, fan of his, and Johan Nieskens, who was with Goose Hiddink, is uh, he's number two there now. So there's there's a bit of history there. I, I can say, I mean, Harry's quite a technically gifted player, and I'd imagine that's the sort of player that that Reichard would like and would like to see in his team so I don't think he's under too much threat and I think it's a good move that a manager of, of his quality is going there well it's time for a break now but make sure you stay with us as up next we'll look at some more news and take on the big issues facing the A-League this season speak to you soon I just don't know what's wrong with some tradies today look at the vehicles they drive more show than anything and certainly not tough I reckon some tradies have even gone soft. For real, fair income tough tradies, there's only one choice, Mahindra. Mahindra's range of 4x2 and 4x4 workhorse pickups and cab chassis know how to get the job done. And they won't cost an arm and a leg, starting at 19990 drive away. Visit your local dealer for a test drive today or visit mahindrapickup.com.au. Wanna bet on the footy? Uh, 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 Come to uh, uh, betfair.com. Uh, uh, uh. Betfair punters bet against each other. Yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. To get better odds yeah. and bigger yeah. wins. So join the world's biggest online betting community. Betfair.com. Betting as it should be. Promotional code PRT888. If you're thinking about selling your car, you can now for free. Advertise your car for free on carsguide.com.au. Get exceptional exposure by putting it in front of over a million active car buyers. Carsguide is Australia's largest automotive brand with a presence in 120 newspapers on carsguide.com.au and the mobile site carsguide.mobi. Sell your car the fast, easy way. Visit carsguide.com.au The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider where we're going to have a look at some more news on the website. But before we start... We talked about Harry Kewell in the last edition or episode or whatever you want to call it in Radio World, but we forgot to congratulate Harry on being named by Wish magazine as the smartest dressed man in Australia. They one off, I think one it off, says. Oh, one off. off. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I think they, Trev was up there as well. I Trev, think I might be, you joke. But, but they said Kewell's style was cool. Yeah, inverted okay. commas so uh, they obviously know their fashion if it's uh, good enough for Wish magazine it's good enough for I'll be uh, getting my reminds me of that Simpsons episode where you know like when uh, granddad's talking to Homer and he's like I used to be cool once <laughs> <laughs> but now I don't even know what cool is <laughs> Moving on, we've got our next news story, which is Mark Schwarzer coming out and saying that Fulham could lose him. He's acknowledged that the club might not be willing to pay him or sign him up for a longer contract than he might want at the end of his current deal, which now has uh, another season to run. And, uh, yeah, he has voiced the possibility that he, he may have to go elsewhere if he doesn't get what he wants. 
Yeah, it's quite interesting because it, it, it's even though he's got a, a full season left on his deal, he because he'd be leaving on a free at the end of it. He's actually then free to talk to other parties as of I think January. January, yeah. So that's going to come round sooner than you think. And I, I guess it all comes down to how long a deal he wants from them next. You know, if he's because he'll be what thirty seven then. Yeah. Um, you know, if he turns out and said I want two or three years, they might go. Whereas they might say, look, we'll go on a roll in one-year contract. And I guess it depends. It all depends what, what offers there are from, from elsewhere. But he's certainly shown no signs of, of slowing down or losing his you know, reflexes or whatever. So we sort of, we've seen goalkeepers play till they were 40 before. So I don't see any problem why he couldn't do that. Whether he can do that at the very highest level till he was 40. Not sure. He's got on better at Fulham than I think even him, Fulham, or any of us could have expected. So he's in a far stronger position at this stage than you know you'd imagine he might have been. Um, but I think I agree with Andy. They're they're more likely to offer him a one-year contract, and he might think, well, I can leave, you know, get a really good deal, you know, the final deal of my career, get a two-year deal somewhere else. Probably another mid-table Premiership team, I think. Again, we were talking about this earlier. It all comes down to sort of it's that balance between how rich do you want to be yeah. you know he's, he's probably by the time next year rolls around he's probably certainly set up for life so the question is does he want to stay somewhere where he's happy and he's playing good football and, and he's comfortable does he want to move again and move his family for the sake of an extra year on the end of a deal and that, you know, that, there's only one person that can make that decision and that, that's Mark himself so. well from speaking to him because um, you know he's my Premier League friend now Mark I have to hear this all the time in the office <laughs> yeah you know like just because you don't know any Premier League players well, no, he once said hello mate in an email back to Paul and now he reckons they're mates but you know Right. I would say that that would be a definition of a mate. If someone calls you mate. <laughs> it was um, unprompted, actually. But but yeah, not to name drop or anything. But you know, when I was talking to Mark, it, it, it's it, it, over a coffee, um, face to face. He he did say it, it never seemed like money was was something that he was interested in. It was always about playing first team football. And, and you know, he he talked to me about um, Bayern and Juve offering him uh, places, but he, they wouldn't guarantee him first team football. And, and I suppose that's another thing you have to, to look at is that there aren't many starting jobs available for goalkeepers it's mm. not like uh, you know a, an all-purpose midfielder or you know a striker who can play in the hole or a goalkeeper really has one place and they need to be playing all the time so I think that you know that would be the deciding factor for, for Schwarzer are you going to remain friends with Schwartz once he retires? I'd say so. Because I, I think I, as soon I as he's not a soccer anymore and he's ringing you up going, you know, do you want to go for a coffee? You like Mark you, who? You're, you're fickle. What? No, I think that there was, you know, there's a friendship there and, uh, you know, I can't speak for him, but I would say that we'd be in touch. I think I'm, I'm going to befriend Michael Zulo because he's a long-term investment. <laughs> we could be mates for 15 years. Fair enough. Well, look, Michael, if you want to uh, <laughs> get in touch with Trevor and start off a friendship, he's a pretty sound fellow. He probably won't buy the, the beer or anything but um, <laughs> you know he's a pretty loyal chap but moving on to um, the last story of the week Kevin Rudd our esteemed Prime Minister has been uh, jumping over to Europe on business but he did find time to visit Mr Sepp Blatter to talk about uh, Australia's virtues as a place to host the World Cup uh, Mr Lowy was there as well and lots of uh, flesh pressing was going on yeah, the wheels seem to be in motion, which is great. Um, 
Yeah, you know, it can only help. You know, we know obviously uh, old K-Rod doesn't mind a drop of travel, as we all know. So um, it's good to see him using it for full effect for football. As so. long as he gets the right order on the plane, apparently. <laughs> yes. He's happy. But, um, um, but it's good. You know, it can only, can only help. You know, it's, it's another important thing for the World Cup bid that, you know... Um, that the government is fully behind it, that FIFA know that there's the support of the government. You know, certainly when we're looking at, you know, it, it, there's, there's government funding needed to make things like World Cups happen. You know, as we've seen with, uh, with the London Olympics, you know, the global financial crisis has really hit the sponsorship dollars that are there and the government's had to step in. They're getting a lot of criticism for that because it, it's a lot of money. So I think the fact that they, they would look at Australia and say the government and both parties are fully behind it because that was the other thing that came out of the bid was that both sides of, of government were saying we're fully behind this. So I think from a FIFA perspective, that's another box ticked for Australia. Um, so, yeah, it's good. What do you what do you think they're talking about? Like, what what's you know what is Rudd doing to sell it? I mean, I I know Premier League players. You know, uh, you're very friendly with the back the backroom staff at the FFA, aren't you? So you you got your finger on the pulse there. What you know? What would he be saying to Set Blatter? Is he selling Australia as a, a venue, the infrastructure, um, a, a place to drag? You know, football fans from around the world to come here, or is it a combination of, of I think all that? A combination of all of them. I think you know, maybe, you know given that, that some of the, the criticisms or concerns around South Africa, aside from the security signings, is around infrastructure and public transport. You know, the government have just announced a, a phenomenal amount of money going into infrastructure, and so he's talking to him about that, saying, you know, we, we, we looked at that. He's probably also saying that the government have been involved throughout this so fully aware of the impact of, on the nation and what it would mean what investment it would need from an infrastructure perspective with regards to things like hotels public transport um, yeah and, it, and it's just another high profile person that is behind the bid which can only help that's I mean it's a little bit for sure I'm sure they're discussing some important stuff as well but they like to you know feel special the people on the FIFA board so if Seth Blatt knows that you know the top guy from Australia is coming out to you know hand him some Australian presence we were just discussing we're not quite sure what he got but you know that's what they're interested in it's like when uh, the US were bidding they got Barack Obama to send a letter to you know FIFA as well mm. you know it's not so much the content of the letter it's so they can get a letter of Barack Obama and it's, it's all stuff like that which you know can make the difference well I reckon K-Rudd should uh, offer to get Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman to do like a live version of Australia in like Set Blatter's Ooh. back garden and have you know like a, as long a as little it's a play bit for him yeah, yeah uh, I'm not sure if that'll help offer. to be honest yeah probably not probably put him off <laughs> Well, uh, moving on from that, that was the, the week in news for um, au.442.com, our esteemed website. And before we go to the break, we're going to have a look at uh, the lighter side of football, or the, the funnier side, how funny that is. We'll let you be the judge. Um, who wants to go first? Trev. Trev wants to go first, yeah. Um, a, a story from the US. Now, bear in mind that the US are possibly our main rivals for the 22 World Cup. Um, some really interesting comments coming out. It's, it's a former commissioner of, of their league, the, the MLS, um, about the, the type of clientele they want at their, at their games. Um, they're saying, forget the kids. The future of major, major, major league soccer is in young, scarf-snapping, mostly male rowdies. Um, so... 
<laughs> soccer audiences at their best have got to be a little bit dangerous, said Logan, who's now the CEO of US Track and Field. Um, it's free guys with a beer cursing at the field. It's not a family activity. If you want a family activity, go to the circus. <laughs> By that, do you mean the, the NFL or the NBA? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's not the right It's message, interesting it? for him to say after he's left. Yeah, I mean, I what was he say. saying when he was there to the sponsors? Yeah, yeah. Let's get the soccer mums in, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting conundrum that football has. It's one that they have here, you know, is that part of the appeal of football is the chanting, the passion, you know, and the fans creating the act, rather than just being... Um, you know, sitting there like it's the theatre, you know, you are an active participant in the game and can have an effect. But by the same token, you want to, you want to appeal to the families, you want young people there, you want it to be a, a sponsor-friendly environment. And it's the challenge of balancing the two and, and not sanitising it too much. Um, and certainly that's an area where, in this country, that I think the FFA are still toying with that or, or struggling with that. Yeah. Well, my uh, my interesting story comes uh, from an A-League player who reveals the height of pampering and debauchery in the A-League is uh, milkshakes. Mark Bridge has come out after returning from China, and he said it was a bit bit shocking over there, the way the players were treated. He said, you go over there and see how they're treated. I hate to say it, but they're treated like animals. They're treated so bad, the Chinese players. You come back here and you've got your protein shakes. Everything's laid out for you. So obviously <laughs> all that... Say, all, a milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> all they need is a bit of strawberry milkshake, and, and they're sorted out. You know, it's the height of, height of pamperedness in, in the A. League, so. The guys are simple pleasures, aren't they, footballers? So that's all you need to give them. Absolutely. Well, you know, maybe we should, uh, you know, look to bring over some boosts or something to the Chinese players and watch their productivity rise. Mm. Andy, you've got a uh, just the uh, the quite frankly amazing scenes of, of a full Bernabeu Stadium welcoming Ronaldo, which is ridiculous. You know, the fact that they. Mm completely reorganised the pitch and created a stage in the middle. I thought it was fantastic. It was great theatre. Um, but it was interesting to find out that the club shop um, sold 3,000 Ronaldo shirts in two hours, uh, compared with Kaka only selling 600 during the same time period. And I did a quick calculation on my calculator the, the stat. Mate, I like it, yeah, yeah. Is that that represents... 3,000 shirts means that Ronaldo only has to sell another 1,227,769 shirts to repay his $160 million transfer fee. So, you know, it's a good start, but he's got some way to go. Hmm. i got mine at Paddy's Market for 30 bucks, so he won't get his back, will he? Yeah, then, but yours was Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> club, club won't see a cent of that. One, the, the other interesting thing was that he's taken number nine, which says everything you want to say about Cristiano Ronaldo is that he's he's not a centre forward, but he's taken the you know the centre forwards number. Obviously, can't have seven because yeah. Raúl's got that until three thousand and ten. Um, but yeah, I just thought it just said everything about yeah, Ronaldo. The great Di Stefano's number as well. Yeah, so, um... yeah and what's going to be interesting there is that you know, how is Kaká going to feel about all of this? You know, Kaká's used to being sort of top dog, world player of the year. He seems like quite a, you know, when we've read interviews with, we've done with him before, he seems like quite a, you know, grounded, switched on guy. He's but not got the ego, I don't think, of Ronaldo. Yeah, but it will be interesting. If Ronaldo starts getting out of control, his ego starts getting out of control, who's going to pull him into line there? I, th- I think that's the whole thing about both of them, that they've come from clubs where, you know, 
the team was basically built around them and you know how much sacrificing did Rooney do for Ronaldo at Man U how many times do we see him running up and down the field to give you know players like Ronaldo the freedom it's not going to be like that around they're going to have to work themselves for their opportunities no, there'll definitely be a team to watch next season whether they uh, whether they play well or not yeah. time for a break again but don't touch that dial as when we come back we'll be looking at some of the big issues facing the A-League this season did you know that a power of attorney is very different to a will a power of attorney allows you to nominate another person to make decisions for you whilst you're still alive for example you may become incapacitated through an accident or going to hospital for an operation or simply travel overseas on holiday of course it's best to write your power of attorney before these things happen otherwise it could be too late this occasion could arise if you become mentally or physically unable to make decisions for yourself whether you need a general power of attorney or an enduring power of attorney this kit has been written to enable you to write a power of attorney that is legal in your state the Australian Power of Attorney Kit is only $29.95 plus postage and handling. Do it the right way for your family's benefit and your protection. Order online at australianpowerofattorney.com.au or call us today. Here's how to order. Call 1-800-200-109. That's 1-800-200-109. Write the number down. 1-800-200-109. Call now. Want to bet on the soccer? Come to Betfair.com. Betfair punters bet against each other. Yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. To get better odds yeah. and bigger yeah. wins. So join the world's biggest online betting community. Betfair.com. Betting as it should be. Promotional code PRT888. Back to 442 Insider. Welcome back to 442 Insider, brought to you by 442 Magazine and our website au.442.com. Now we're going to have a look at some of the big issues facing the A-League this season. In uh, next month's magazine, we are going to be putting out a massive A-League and Premier League season preview where we always look at the issues facing the A-League for the upcoming season. And uh, Trevor decided, why do twice the amount of work? Why not bring the subject up here now, thrash it all out, and then using his super memory, he's going to write it all up for the magazine. So it looks like uh, us two are putting in the legwork. Play the podcast back and then just type it up. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. But no, it should be some interesting stuff here because we've got a few issues to get through. And uh, the first first issue that, that is on the agenda is improved crowds. Obviously, last season, crowds were down across the board. Should we be worried about 52 more games to fill stadiums? Or do you think the new teams and the new formats going to inspire a new set of fans and and help help the stadiums fill? Um, in terms of the crowds, you know, boosted us. I, I say this two ways. There's two teams, you know, established teams in the A League that disappoint me in terms of crowd figures, and that's Perth and Sydney. But Perth have made some really good signings in the closed season, so there's a potential that if they go on a bit of a run, they start doing better, then they'll see better crowd figures. And Sydney, based on pre-season and based on having a, a proper coach in place, um, look a far better team as well. And we know how fickle Sydney fans can be, so I think you know they could you know pull in more crowds. And also, a Sydney playing well will pull in crowds at other stadiums because you know let's be honest the rest of Australia love to beat Sydney you know regardless of what code they're playing and so if they're playing well I think that's going to attract you know more fans along and then obviously you know without going into so much depth because I know we're going to talk about the, state of the two new teams I think a lot of a lot of fans are going to want to watch Gold Coast and a lot of fans a lot of Liverpool fans 
over here, you know, Australian Liverpool fans are going to watch Robbie Fowler at North Queensland Fury. So I'm, I'm quite hopeful that there will be improved crowds. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the dip last season, I think, whilst it was a little bit concerning, I, don't, I wasn't overly concerned by it simply because I sort of felt it as well. I think we all did. I think we all felt a bit that last season was probably one season too far with the same eight sides. And, you know, it's like, and oh, great, it's Melbourne versus Adelaide again. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think at least, uh, yes, there's going to be more games, but those games are going to be against different sides, you know, with bringing different players, different challenges. And it's just going to feel, it already feels a little bit new again. You know, not just because of the two new sides, but also because I think the recruitment has been a lot more varied this season um, than it was last. I think we've seen, you know, we're potentially going to kick off the season with five current Socceroos, you know, applying their trade in the A-League and, you know, players that are at the the peak of their powers like Kalina. Um, So I think I'm encouraged by it. I think the crowds, I'm not sure the average will go up. And I'll tell you what, because I don't think North Queensland um, are going to bring in 13, 14, 15,000 to keep that average around the 13,000 mark. So I think we may even see the average go down slightly across the 10 teams now, but hopefully for where North Queensland come a little bit below that, maybe Gold Coast will overachieve in that regard. And certainly what we're also going to see now is a, is a few more derbies. You know, the Gold Coast, Brisbane derby should be a cracker, you know, and that's mm. three three derbies you know that we'll see and that will hopefully up that crowd and their averages for them so so I, yeah I, I, I don't think last season was anything too concerning there's also going to be the World Cup effect as we get nearer yeah. you know will that start bringing more people in so I think there's a lot to be positive about yeah I'll be interested to see how they market this season because obviously the, a lot of resources are being put into the World Cup bid and uh, it's been quite quiet on that front I know they don't ramp it up until just before the start of the season but yeah I'll be interested to see how the FFA are marketing this season and and also for me I think rivalries I mean a, a lot is made on the geographic rivalries but I'm more interested in the actual rivalries between the good teams I think Gold Coast against Melbourne could become a big rivalry very quickly because I think you know Melbourne and Melbourne fans will see that team as possibly the the biggest challengers and you know I, I think that more should be made on the actual teams playing against each other who, who are going to give each other a run for their for their money at the top of the tile at the top of the table so yeah. it's uh, it's interesting times now the second big issue um, we touched upon it just a sec- on a second go Trevor mentioned uh, is the success of the new teams both on and off the pitch it's a big gamble in this climate to launch two new teams for the A-League but what do, what do we think is more important success on or off the pitch um, for me it, it would always be success on the pitch because I think if you're successful on the pitch the success off the pitch follows as long as you've got a good sort of commercial operations team and a, and a good sort of office staff then I think you know as we've seen with you know with Sydney FC as we were talking about earlier you know it, they can be set up as well as they like and have all the sponsors they like but unless the team's winning the crowds aren't going to be there so I think first and foremost they're a football team you know, we talk about franchises and brands, but at the end of the day, they're there to win football matches. And if they do that, then everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. Um, I, I think on the pitch, genuinely concerned about North Queensland Fury, like currently, you know, writing the, the season uh, previews for the magazine. Um, and it's difficult to pick many strengths out of that team. I don't want to be overcritical because they haven't started playing yet. Um, but when it comes to writing about their strengths, really, really struggle. I mean, I think the one thing that, 
perhaps they might be able to do is the fact they're going to be playing in Townsville and it's going to be incredibly hot and teams are going to have to travel to play there. If they can adapt a style and a tempo and a fitness that makes it really difficult to play in that heat against them, then they can pick up enough points at home and possibly you know, make an unlikely run to the finals. Um, in, in terms of Gold Coast, it, it's just about making an undoubtedly talented set of players gel. And I think the six teams going into the, the finals... Um, is going to be an advantage to them because if they start slowly but they get momentum for the final third of the season even if they just creep in or you know they're around mid-table they've got enough talent to take out one-off games and, and win the grand final Great stuff guys we're only scratching the surface we're going to take a quick break now and come back and have a look at some more issues facing the A-League this season I just don't know what's wrong with some tradies today look at the vehicles they drive more show than anything and certainly not tough I reckon some tradies have even gone soft. For real, fair income tough tradies, there's only one choice, Mahindra. Mahindra's range of 4x2 and 4x4 workhorse pickups and cab chassis know how to get the job done. And they won't cost an arm and a leg, starting at 19990 drive away. Visit your local dealer for a test drive today or visit mahindrapickup.com.au. Want to bet on the soccer? Uh, uh, Come to uh, uh, Betfair.com. Uh, uh. Betfair punters bet against each other. Yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. To get better yep. odds yep. and bigger yep. wins. So join the world's biggest online betting community. Betfair.com. Betting as it should be. Promotional code PRT888. If you're thinking about selling your car, you can now for free. Advertise your car for free on carsguide.com.au. Get exceptional exposure by putting it in front of over a million active car buyers. Carsguide is Australia's largest automotive brand with a presence in 120 newspapers on carsguide.com.au and the mobile site carsguide.mobi. Sell your car the fast, easy way. Visit carsguide.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. We're in the home stretch now. Uh, feeling a little bit of cramp, so we'll, we'll move on very quickly. We're looking at the big issues facing the A-League this season. And issue number three, will the six from ten into the playoffs make the regular season a bit of an anti-climax? 60% of the teams in the league this year are going to be making it into the playoffs. And is there going to be a struggle to keep interest, especially at the back end of the season? you think this is a big issue, or are we making a bit too much of it um, personally I would have liked to have seen it stayed as the top four I think six from ten is a bit sort of tokenistic I think you know six or eight when you've got an 18 or 20 team league maybe but I think that I can understand why the FFA have done it because because there's no relegation and like that it's like what do you do when only four or five teams are still in the run for four spots with three rounds to go what do, do the, the fans of the other sides drop off um so let's try and make it interesting right until the end. But um, but I think it makes it would make a bit of a mockery if a team finished sixth, ended up being champions and going through into, into the Asian Champions League. I think that that to me would wouldn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of it is to not make the season an anticlimax and, like you say, to to make it interesting. You know, right up until the final moments. But I mean, even last last season when we had four teams, you know, Sydney who were awful, you know, for the vast majority of the season going into the last couple of rounds, still had a chance of you know somehow making finals football again. And that, that splits people if if that's the way it should be because it it keeps you know Sydney fans interested. Um, 
Um, but it's not particularly fair if you haven't played well enough. But I think that's one that you're just going to have to kind of, you know, wait and see on. That's a real trial and error. And if it doesn't work, I'm sure the FFA will change it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head in the sense that um, if a team goes on a run and they finish sixth and they go through to the grand final, all, all, all power to them. And if they win it, then great, you know, because teams have momentum at different times and if they happen to catch it. But the issue is, is if they go on to represent Australia in the Asian Champions League you want the strongest teams available and you want the strongest teams out there and, and there is that worry that you're going to have a, a middling team representing the country as one of the two representatives in the yeah, I, I, yeah I mean that brings out another thing in that you know the, the sides that are going to represent Australia in the Asian Champions League generally don't bear any semblance of the team that qualified you know as we've seen with Newcastle I mean hopefully you know Melbourne this season have kept the nucleus of players by far you know and that will be interesting to see how they do because they have now kept the same side pretty much that qualified for it will compete in it Next issue, the improved standard of refereeing. I think all of us can remember what happened in the grand final and uh, some of the refereeing decisions that went on there. Uh, with all the talk of developing coaches and players, uh, where's the improvement in the refs coming from? Um, well, I think it's a global issue. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if, if this was listed on, you know, every magazine around the world's um, concerns for the coming domestic season. So I, I don't think it's necessarily just an Australian problem. That's not to say, you know, the referees here are, are perhaps up to the standard that some of them might be in Europe but um, I think it's, it's difficult to, to say it's just an isolated incident over here yeah, I mean, the FFA, again, you know, are, are trying to take steps to do this. They've appointed a, a national referee and technical director um, who I believe is Dutch. As really? Well. That's Super, really Super Mario van der Ender. It's difficult yeah. to get a job um, there. And they've just put, recently appointed a, an elite referee and instructor, a guy called Gary Power. Um, so the, this Mario guy has refereed at two World Cups himself, 94 and 98. So he's well-credentialed. Um, so we'll see if it has an effect. You know, we'll see what happens. But I, I agree with Trev. Is, you know, this would probably come up on you know, things that need to happen at the World Cup, things that need to happen in the Champions League. I, I don't know what the answer is you know, because I'm certainly against video replays and stopping the game. And, but then with that, you just have to accept that referees are going to miss things. You know, the game is getting quicker and quicker. It's happening at, at, at lightning speed and they're, they're expected to make one call. And the danger is that we see it 50, 40, 50 times on replays and, can, and even then people don't necessarily disagree. You know, if you look at Rugby League, who have just sacked their video replay guys. You know, they've just been sacked for getting too many things wrong. Yeah. And that's with the technology. You know, so I think they've shown that, that introducing the technology doesn't make it you know, infallible. So I personally, I would I would stick with what works. You know, what has worked, which is the referee is going to make some mistakes. Um, just get on with it. Yeah. Another issue: Will playing in the A League be enough to win a World Cup spot? Uh, a lot of current Socceroos have gone against Pimver Bake's advice, come back to play in the A League. Will they still be Socceroos come World Cup time? Um, yeah, and it's interesting that they have gone against you know what Pim was saying, but you'd expect a lot of them to to line up a loan deal in Asia or you know possibly um, you know elsewhere if they can. It's quite interesting that um, 
there's been a lot of complaining that they're not getting enough regular football in the lead up to the World Cup because in a lot of countries specifically when I remember when I lived in England there was always complaining that the players had burnt out because they'd just done a whole season and they they didn't have a closed season so you come over here where they get you know a few months off to to take it easier and apparently that's not good enough so um, I don't know which way is better but yeah I think loan deals to Asia for for, I wouldn't be surprised a lot of them have already got them sorted out yeah, I mean, I, it's, there's too many coming back now for them all to be excluded on that reason. I think the other thing is that the season's going to be longer. If more of them come back, that's going to raise the standard. So the A-League is going to become a higher standard. But the other thing is, is that, you know, for people like Stojowski, you know, surely it's better playing every game here than it is sitting on the bench for Derby County. Mm. You know, that, that to me is the, um, yes admittedly playing first team in the championship is probably week in week out is better than, than playing in the A-League but if you're not guaranteed that starting spot then surely it's better to be playing football yeah and the final issue is one that's somewhat linked to, to what we've just been talking about but the uh impact of the January transfer window, how big that could be. Um, what I would be concerned about is the drain of, drain of talent and possibly teams' fortunes becoming dashed if quality players are snapped up by European clubs in January. Last year last year was uh, Holland and Jedernak were the two big names who, who went off to Europe during that time. And Is there a concern that that, that might happen again? And I mean obviously that's going to help teams play as prospects for the World Cup but how will that affect the A-League and, and certain teams' chances with their star players? Well, the Mariners fell to pieces didn't they after they lost him which surprised me because I know how good a player he was and I know how much the Mariners relied on him but he was a defensive midfielder and you'd think that they'd about to recover to a certain extent I think mean, this is going to be an issue every year you know, forever almost, if you like. I think that European clubs are always going to, you know, boost their teams around January. And, you know, might look towards um, towards the A League. I mean, uh, I think this time round, you know, I think Zulo's already turned turned down moves. So, you know, my new mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, um, he might though, go. Doesn't know it yet. But yeah, um, and I've, you know, even people like Shane Smeltz. I think if he gets a really good start at the Gold Coast, and someone else might come in for him, or you know, maybe Robbie Fowler. We've already heard some some mutters of you know Tranmere, which have been rejected by North Quentin Fury but you know in the event of him finding form again he's got such a good reputation he's flirted with Asia before he's another person that, that might go to Europe or Asia yeah I think I think that it would be odd if one of the returning Socceroos then upped and left and went back in January but I think you know that the, the younger players coming through the likes of James Holland um, you know that that, that those sort of players again you know it would be difficult to turn it down you know particularly if your team's not necessarily in finals contention or is you know it's not looking like that they're really going to challenge with like Newcastle last year um but yeah I think it's a fact of life I mean it's a fact of life for any team you know it's a fact of life for middle and lower tier teams in the Premier League you know is a bigger team going to come in in January and try and rob your best player yeah yeah. Great stuff, guys. Appreciate that. And before we go, blatant plug time. This week is uh, the new issue out on the stand, 442 magazine, and we're looking at the 50 best Aussie players in the world. Yep. A lot of debate over that one, wasn't there, in the um, in the boardroom? Wow. I think it's called a hiding to nothing because it's one of those lists, isn't it, that you, um, you're never going to get 100% right because it's actually impossible to get completely right. But, you know, we, we've done our best. And it'd be interesting, interesting to see what the readers say about where we've put 
you know the usual suspects and some of the more shock people as well. But interestingly, you know, if you got you got five mates in a pub on a Saturday night, you know, they'd debate this. This is this is why we do it. Is it's the sort of things that you know people. Say, well, what's the best five goals you've seen? You know, who's the best player in the A League? You know, it's all those things where no one's right. Everyone's got an opinion, but the fun is in the debate. The yeah. fun is in the debate of how is you know is Galekovic, who's playing regularly in the in the A League, should he be higher than than Brad Jones or Adam Federici? And you know, can, how where would you put a defender compared with a striker? How do you you know value their merits? So it's a bit of fun, you know. It's it's and it, the interesting thing is going to come next year when we look at who's improved or worsened on their position, and that's when the uh, debate moves up another notch. Yeah. I think if, if you disagree or agree or you have an opinion, and I remember saying this in, in my job interview when you two interviewed me, actually, I think the line is, congratulations, you're a football fan because you care enough about it to have an opinion on this person should go there. Yeah, I'd take that back like, now, though. Like, <laughs> what, the job? <laughs> well, if I could, but definitely the comment. Yeah. But, um, and, and one interesting thing, Trevor, you were involved with was uh, uh, there's a big feature on Johan Cruyff, the Dutch master. Uh, and not only is that a really good... Uh, kind of history of his impact both as a player and a coach and a kind of cultural icon but he's also having a big impact on Australian football as we speak isn't he that's I mean look it's a fantastic piece I'm not just saying that because it's in our mag but he's genuinely a player a manager and someone who thinks about football and everyone should should know a lot about this guy because he's so important to how the modern game's played and uh, some of his views on the game you know I think they're saying here you know are they advanced you know advanced thinking of the game or are they just you know complete nonsense but yeah, again what we're saying before at least it provokes a reaction but we also got uh, Hamburger the FFA technical director on the phone to um, to talk about um, Cruyff and as you can imagine he was willing to talk about Johan Cruyff at length but also how it fits in with the Aussie culture and what we're trying to do over here and the comments he's you know saying the 4 3 3 which is what Cruyff used to spear himself and the focus on creative players and scoring goals so it, it, it's very interesting that a young European legend, a Dutch legend, could you know end up creating how Aussie football will look over the next twenty years. And any, anyone, is, anyone who's got their own turn, yeah, <laughs> their own turn named after them, I think yeah. is is you know deserves that level. I think interestingly, we're probably at the generation now where the next generation, the first generation of younger players, like the kids that I coach, we we taught them the Cruyff turn, and they didn't know. They know it's called the Cruyff term, but they didn't know who Johan Cruyff was, so yeah. sent them home to ask their dads. And, and I think that's, that's the value of doing things like this, is to, to make the younger generation aware of where the system that the Australian players are going to be playing has come from and who the real greats that have shaped the game and things like having their own turn named after them. Um, you know, where that has come from and the history of the game, which, which certainly is, is a place for us as a, a provider of content. He's such an interesting character because we were discussing when he always thinks he's right. He's one of those people. And I think the best story I read in there was when he was in the US. Do you remember this story better yeah. than me? And the, the bus driver got lost. So Johan went up the front and started directing the bus saying, going this way and going that way. He'd never been to America before. He'd never been to that city. <laughs> but he thinks he knows everything, including directions in foreign countries. 
It must be like working with me, Trevor. Yeah. Um, and the magazine's full of other great stuff. We've got an interview with Eric Cantona, who's in a new movie. We've got uh, an interview with Dario Vidasic, who's playing over in Nuremberg. And also a look at uh, Super June in pictures, the World Cup bid, all great shots and fantastically hilarious captions. They are quite good, actually. Uh, yeah. From uh, all the games. So make sure you pick that up at All Good News Agents and uh, keep us in a job, please. That'd be very nice. Well, thanks very much for listening to us today uh, we'll be back next week but don't forget you can listen to us online at au.442.com and also through iTunes so thanks very much for your time and we'll be back next week goodbye 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services